Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. Today's show focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm David Escobar. And here are this week's feature stories. Over the last few weeks, the WFUV Newsroom has been speaking with organizations responding to the opioid epidemic in New York. This week, I spoke with Karen Carlini, the Associate Executive Director of Dynamic Youth Community. We discussed the work her organization is doing to combat drug addiction with adolescents and why a program like Dynamic Youth Community is needed. Tell me more about Dynamic Youth Community. We started out 53 years ago and started out on Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn. And, you know, at that time, there really wasn't any services um, for people seeking help for addiction. And certainly there weren't services for adolescents and young adults. Bill. And, and a few other people came in and started this program um, based on their own lived experience and started the program with, with young people in mind. And we've come a long way in terms of, you know, the improvements and the work that we do. People came in and they didn't go to jail and they did find help. And as long as places like us existed, they were able to get, you know, the help that they needed. And not everybody does. And there's other approaches and other ways that we're res- we're long-term residential, outpatient. We have different tracks for different ages, but we also do a lot in the community. We provide a lot of education to members of the community, to families, so that we maybe they can prevent that with their own children if they're educated. So there's an awful lot, you know, that goes on in terms of the work that we do. But there's no one-size-fits-all. We believe in the work that we do. We remain committed to this age group. And this population, although we we do provide services to other age groups in different levels of care, but, you know, for 50 some odd years, we've been committed because there's not a lot specific to the young adult community. Why do people struggling with addiction need a program like Dynamic Youth Community? Comprehensive services were so necessary um, for someone with addiction, simply because addiction doesn't doesn't just happen because you took too many pills. It creates a lot of issues. And for young people, there's so much in their background that needs to be, um, I think, understood or they need to feel understood from, you know, trauma to problems at home to homelessness to, you know, all of the things I think that people suffer from in addition to their addiction or that comes with addiction. So it's really important to us that we're able to do that. And young people need structure and young people need direction and guidance. And we we knew that and we were able to provide that in a setting that was, you know, safe and productive and they felt productive they feel productive, you know, but structure is really key. It's even worse now, but there's way too much influence, you know, out there that gets in the way. So we try to take the noise out. That was my co-host Christina Lulich speaking to Karen Carlini the Associate Executive Director of Dynamic Youth Community. It's part of our ongoing Strike Accord public service campaign, which is highlighting organizations responding to the opioid epidemic. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is pushing new legislation to help address chemical contamination typically found in nonstick cookware, carpets, and some cosmetics. WFUV's Lainey Nguyen has more on the impact of PFAS and the potential solutions to their contamination. PFAS chemicals have contaminated 97% of Americans in all 50 states. So Senator Gillibrand is announcing new legislation that would help victims of PFAS exposure. 
The legislation aims to hold PFAS manufacturers accountable in court and increase incentives for PFAS research. These chemicals come from items like fast food packaging and water-resistant clothing. But their toxins have contaminated tap water and are linked with cancer, liver and immune system problems, and developmental issues for kids. Some environmental organizations, like We Act for Environmental Justice, say that Gillibrand's legislation is just the first step to help address PFAS contamination. Ewa Vosper is the federal policy manager for We Act. She says that to fully address the issue, you need to find the source. The root cause has to be addressed. How do we remove these chemicals from our soil? How do we remove these harmful effects from our water supply? How do we remove it from our products that we are daily consuming each day in our lives? An important first step is making sure that people are informed about the contamination. I'm Lainey Nguyen, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Lainey Nguyen on the impact of PFAS chemicals. Every month, the What's What podcast brings you Fordham Conversations. It taps into the Fordham University community to discuss important issues impacting our world. In this month's installment, WFUV's Isabel Danza sits down with author Felipe Luciano to discuss his memoir, Flesh and Spirit, Confessions of a Young Lord. The Black and Puerto Rican storyteller talks about his time in the street gang, The Young Lords, and discovering the power of poetry. Could you start by giving a brief explanation of what Flesh and Spirit, Confessions of a Young Lord is about? Flesh and Spirit, Confessions of a Young Lord is my journey from childhood uh, right up to the beginning and the end of the Young Lords Party. It is an attempt to let people know that a lot of the things that happen on the outside have to do with things that people went through on the inside. Uh, I was traumatized early in life. Uh, I had a family that was dysfunctional. I had a community that was dysfunctional. And yet out of that, uh, there was a tremendous amount of love and concern. This goes right through my relationships, Queens College, jail, and what happens after. And in your book, you talk about your experience growing up in Brooklyn, gangs, and going through prison, and then kind of coming out of it. Can you speak to the importance of talking about your life experience in such an honest and candid way? It took me a long time uh, to sit down and look at myself and say, who are you? Why are you so afraid of being alone? Why are you so aggressive? Why are you constantly involved in violence? And I had to sit down with the help of some great girlfriends and with the help of some therapists to understand what was happening. I have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I didn't know this until I spoke to two Vietnam combat veterans who said, you got it bad and you need help. I could have gotten mad. They were two white guys. I could have gotten mad and said, you don't know what I'm talking about, but they did. So I went to therapy and I found out there are a lot of problems I have. But how do you go about making a name for yourself or, or, or developing new projects, new institutions, and fighting against this government if you don't know who you are? So I had to find that out first. From the age of about 40 to now, that's been my lifelong quest. Who am I? Who do I want to be? How do I de-escalate from violence to art? Because that's what I'm doing now. Looking at the book in a bigger sense, why is sharing your story and what you've learned in a memoir the most effective way to do it? I was living with demons. The memories of the past were affecting my behavior, were affecting my family, were affecting my love life. I had to get rid of them. Uh, it was affecting my sleep. I had to write a book to put it all out. 
I couldn't continue to live with that torment. I had left the Lords because it was broken up by Cointelpro, the FBI program. Um, and I was called a lot of names, but I had to get rid of these memories. So what I did is I said, the best way to do is write about it. And I wrote, I started writing and I couldn't stop. I cried over every page. That kind of leads right into my next question. What do you hope people who read this book take away from it? That success is possible, that joy is possible. But it's going to take, it's going to take a lot. We sometimes think that we can become mature uh, through uh, walking on pillows. doesn't work. So I would want this book to break the shackles of ignorance that we've had around Puerto Rican culture, to break the shackle, shackles of ignorance that we've had around poverty, about violence, about Black people. Um, I want to break those shackles. And I want to tell people, the people that you see in jail are not subhumans. They are people, and they help me survive. That was WFUV's Isabel Danza speaking with author Felipe Luciano about his memoir, Flesh and Spirit, Confessions of a Young Lord. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every week for more features exclusively from the WFUV Newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast every weekday at 3 for the latest local news and feature stories from FUV. And as always, you can find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm David Escobar. And that's What's What.